Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the authors, books, and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for 2,000 years. I'm joined this week with Dr. Smith to discuss the problem of evil. We want to look at some different aspects of evil and how it relates particularly to God and his providence. Uh, now, to get us uh, started here, Dr. Smith, the question, you know, is sometimes phrased in, in a couple of different ways, one of them being, you know, how can evil exist if God is all good? Or mm -hmm. if, you know, if God really loved us, why does he permit these horrible things? Or, you know, uh, whether it's uh, 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 sometimes just suffering from an illness or a sickness, um, you know, a lot of times we'll go to extreme examples to uh, to to point this out, you know, a sick child or something like that. And, and also many times it's used as uh, an, an argument for the non-existence of God. Uh, so what's what's kind of a good starting place when approaching right. this problem of evil? Because I mean, it's kind of it is a it's a huge topic, um, and sometimes just to have a good starting place is is hard to find. Uh, so wh where do you sure. think we should start with this? Yeah, so like I say it's a it's a big topic. Uh, it's a it's a thing that you know any believer is going to deal with uh, at some point uh, in his life, um, uh, where pain and suffering collide with faith. Um, but uh, I think a good uh, entry point is maybe a, sort of a more um, uh, kind of um, academic uh, point of departure, which would be the, the arguments for the non-existence of God. And then we can kind of move towards uh, some of the more uh, existential questions. The non, uh, arguments for the non-existence of God, there really aren't very many. Uh, the problem of evil is the main one, right? That is, it's one thing to say, uh, as many atheist uh, philosophers might, uh, that... Um, there are no good arguments supporting the existence of God, right? So that's yeah. a possibility. Um, so there's a lack of evidence. In the popular sphere, sometimes people think that that's an argument against the existence of God. Yeah. It's not really, it's just a lack of evidence. Uh, it could still be true. Um, so there's lots of times when people say something like, well, science has disproven the existence of God. Well, that's just, that's just rubbish. The, um, uh, the, the, there are no good scientific arguments to support the existence of God. That doesn't mean that, you know, that you've disproved that God exists. Right. Right. Um, but the problem of evil is, uh, is meant to, 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 uh, as it's developed and deployed within a philosophical setting, um, is intended to, to show that it can't be the case that God has traditionally conceived, uh, traditionally described exist. Right. So, Traditionally, you know, sort of classical theism, uh, which, you know, the, I, I would say that the Catholic Church endorses, um, and certainly most, uh, you know, sort of uh, classical Protestant traditions would endorse, is the view that, um, you know, God uh, is omnipotent and omniscient and all good, right? Those, those are key attributes, right, when we were talking about God. So uh, uh, if God is all good and, um, God is all powerful, then why then shouldn't he prevent evil? One of the assumptions being, of course, that um, you should prevent the evil that you can, especially if you can do it without any harm to yourself. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Right. So, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, well, like there's a building on fire. Do you have to run in to rescue people? Most ethicists would say it's not absolutely necessary. It's heroic. Um, but because of the possible harm to yourself, it's not, it's not an obligation. Does that make sense? Right. Um, 
But uh, so there's a lot of goods that we could do or evils that we could prevent that we're not obligated to get involved in because we, we either lack the time, the energy, expertise to do so, or because it would lead us to, to, to harm ourselves. Um, so that's, that's, you know, one way of thinking about it. Um, but see, it's not that way with God, right? So God can't suffer any harm. Um, and God is all powerful. So shouldn't he prevent the evil uh, that he can, which ostensibly couldn't he prevent it all? If he's really all powerful, uh, why can't he uh, prevent all the evil? And if he's really all good, why wouldn't he want to? Right? You see the point? Yeah. So um, it seems to these philosophers that um, there's an incompatibility uh, between the existence of evil in the world and an all good, all powerful God. So that the existence of evil is a, a defeater, you could say of the existence of God. Um, there cannot be evil in the world and an all good, all powerful God. Now you might say some, some atheist philosophers will kind of ramp it up and say, well, you know, there couldn't be this intensity of evil. So maybe, you know, maybe a little bit of evil you'd have to have in there, but this degree, this intensity of evil and the amount of gratuitous evil. So right. like, what good does it do when uh, a wildebeest in, you know, the, the, you know, remote areas of Africa is, um, uh, tortured to death by hyenas, right? I mean, what, what, what good does that do, right? Seems just gratuitous. Like there's no, no point right? Right. Uh, to it. So, um, you know, you can, you can kind of qualify it. So you can see the basic uh, ideas. It can't be an all good, all powerful God and gratuitous intense evil in the world. Yeah. And I think also, you know, another kind of aspect with this, you know, is particularly, you know, even uh, creation itself. So if God is all good and create and evil exists, does this mean that God, that the all good God created evil? You know, so, I mean, a lot of this, you know, it gets, gets into not just God's existence, um, but also evil's existence. Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, maybe you know, could you take us through, how does the church understand the existence of evil? Does evil even have existence? How, how, do, we, how do we look at this? Yeah, so um, I think, you know, a, a classical kind of answer from, you know, philosophy or Thomas theology um, uh, would be to say um, that evil happens, but evil doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> Which sounds weird at first, right? It does. Uh, but <laughs> evil's, not a, um, evil's not a thing, right? It's not a, it's not a quality. It's not a quantity. Um, it's not a, uh, a form, it's not a location, it's none of those things, right? Um, um, evil is uh, classically conceived, and this actually goes all the way back to, to Plato, um, evil is a privation of the good, right? So, you know, we think about uh, my eyes are bad eyes, um, uh, not because they commit wickedness, but because they lack the order that they should have, and that's why I wear glasses, because I, my, my eyes see poorly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, take a more uh, serious example, uh, take an act of adultery. Um, the, you know, I mean, just be blunt here. So the act itself, right? The sexual act itself is not a bad kind of act, right? Just, you know, if it's a normal, natural act of intercourse, it may not be a bad sort of act. Um, and, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with the bodies involved. There's nothing like, there's nothing e like, there's no evil right. in the bodies involved. Um, what's the evil there? It's the lack of the woman being the one to whom you have pledged sexual fidelity. 
Right. Right. The lack of fidelity is the that's act. right. Yeah. So like that's the evil, right? It's uh, you're having sex with someone who ha- who is not your wife, right? Yeah. And, and and so that is the um, that's where the adultery is. There's a privation. Now, did that privation really occur? Yes, it did. So evil yeah. happens, right? But it's not a thing. It's not a being in the world. That helps us, I think, a little bit to understand, kind of maybe to move past one kind of objection, namely that God is the first cause or God is the creator, and there's like, did he create evil? And the answer is no, right? He did not create evil because evil is not a thing uh, in the way that we would think of, say, a badger or gravity or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, so evil doesn't have an existence. Now, how do we, how do we then look at- It does occur. It does occur. occur. It does occur. Yeah. now, how, how do we then, you know, I think for, for a lot of people, and I've heard this myself, uh, uh, you know, use an example like uh, uh, the, the, you know, the bad eye or, you know, the clock that's not working or something like that. Uh, now, how do we compare that, like the privation of the good, this thing is not working as it is, so therefore it is a, it is a bad clock, it is a bad eye. Um, now, how do, we, how do we go from there to like, because where, where everybody wants to go. And I know it's early in the podcast, but I'm going to bring him up Hitler. Um, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. I know, I know as soon as you bring up Hitler, you lose all arguments, but, uh, sure. how, how do we go from, from looking at, uh, evil as a privation, mm-hmm. uh, as lacking something to something as, as, as such a strong force mm-hmm. as, mm-hmm. as say, uh, genocide or, uh, uh, you know, ethnic cleansing in this way. Sure. I mean, uh, from a, uh, a metaphysical and moral perspective, I think the answer remains the same, right? Um, that is, yeah. you know, like, when you start describing what the evil is, the evil is always going to end up being a lack. Now, at the same time, I think to, to you know, that that's not, the, that's not a complete answer because we do have to say evil occurs. So, when, I, when we say that evil doesn't exist as a reality of evil. So there are approaches to life. There are metaphysical approaches that try to say there is no evil in the world, right? right. Uh, that evil just doesn't occur, that it's kind of an illusion. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think that that's a, uh, I don't think that that's, you know, correct according to either faith or right reason. Um, so the, uh, with something like that, Albeit the, the case that, that the evil there, even in such a you know extreme form, involves uh, a lack. Um, uh, we can still ask, well, well, why didn't God prevent it? Right, like yeah. God could have prevented it, right? Um, God, if God is the first cause, maybe couldn't He have made Hitler a better person? Um, couldn't He have just sent a lightning bolt from heaven to kill him? Mm-hmm. Um, couldn't He have done a million other things, right? uh, to, to, to stop this evil. Does that make sense? So, you know, granted that it's, uh, the metaphysical, you know, account of it being a privation, it's still, we have that question of, of the causality of God, right. And his omnipotent power. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that, and that's an interesting point because we could say, well, you know, the, the evil that, that exists in a bad eye, you know, is such to such a small degree compared to, you know, what seems like almost, you know, a, a, a great, great horrendous degree of privation and sure. somebody but like hitler so it's like okay i grant you know i'll grant you that you know it's a it's a difference in degree while like you said metaphysically being the same 
um, being kind of the same thing. But uh, 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 why didn't God stop it? You right. know, and I think that kind of gets into you know maybe maybe we can get into some of the um, kind of just the the, the arguments uh, or explanations of uh, sure. the existence of evil with an all good God. Um, okay. Um, so what what's uh, what's one argument uh, that that's been put out there to explain the the existence of evil? So um, probably well imp- importantly, you want to distinguish between uh, what's sometimes called um, natural evil and moral evil. Sure. So in most of these uh, uh, discussions and arguments, that distinction is made. So uh, natural evil would be something along the lines of um, a tornado, right? That um, um, unfortunately uh, ends up killing people, right? So there's not direct intentionality there. Um, uh, or maybe even say, you know, somebody getting a, uh, uh, attacked and killed by wild animals, something like that. Uh, that's considered natural evil. Or earlier when I was talking about the wildebeest being uh, killed by the, um, by the hyenas. Um, those would all be sort of instances of natural evil. Moral evil would be more like the, the sort of Hitler example. Sure. Um, you know, um, uh, where, or, or say various forms of, uh, you know, um, abuse of labor or workers or things like that, where you have uh, human intentionality at work. Um, so how do you, how do you deal with that? So that's, that distinction is helpful, but, uh, you know, just to kind of keep in mind. So one of the, the arguments is, is what I sometimes call an aggregate argument or accompaniment argument. Uh, this is related to all the others, but basically the idea is that there are certain kinds of goods that you couldn't have without certain kinds of evils. Okay. So that God bring in certain goods um, that entails uh, under normal circumstances in a natural setting, uh, certain evils. So that there be lions, which is a good thing. Um, it follows that there will be uh, wildebeest eaten uh, yeah. by those lions. Um, and occasionally a human uh, mauled, right? If you get in the wrong place at the wrong time, right? That there are bears, right? It's similar, right? They're, 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 you know, these are, are, these are good things, that there are bears, and that there are lions, and things like that. But it does mean that uh, it's not going to be so good for other creatures at times, <laughs> right? Um, and, and similarly, like with tornadoes, right? That, <clears throat> you know, the atmosphere uh, in a, as a whole is good for us, right? That is... The atmosphere um, uh, brings about uh, not, not only beauty, but also um, food, right? Uh, occasionally floods happen, right? Because of the way the atmosphere works. And so uh, the, 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 a lot of the evils that we experience are um, sort of indirect effects of something that's actually good, namely the existence of the atmosphere or the existence of certain kinds of animals. Mm-hmm. Um, this gets extended to kind of a free will defense, right? Uh, and um, uh, that uh, goes directly towards moral evil. And that is, and C.S. Lewis probably um, gives the most famous example of this, that is that God created us to enter into a loving relationship with him, that we can only enter in, uh, into a loving relationship with him by freely choosing him. Uh, and so um, uh, if we're going to have that kind of freedom, the freedom that allows us to enter into a loving relationship, then <clears throat> that's going to mean that sometimes people are going to abuse that freedom. Sometimes people are going to commit evil uh, so that, you know, you can't have free will without the, with the real possibility of sin. Right. Is what Lewis thinks. Yeah. And I, and I see this as a, as a 
a, a pretty good argument, you know, because I mean, it, it, you know, on the one hand, particularly, you know, if we do not have the ability to uh, say no to God, if we, mm-hmm. if we do not have the ability to reject him, uh, then we don't actually have the ability to love him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, you know, it, on, on the one hand, you know, it makes sense, you know, that, you know, we, that there has to be this, this free will choice uh, to either accept or reject God. Uh, and, uh, you know, even following the moral code, when you're talking about moral evil, the, the, that we have to have that ability to choose one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, there are some limitations to this argument, correct? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in general, I have a very high regard for C.S. Lewis. In fact, I would say of the people who've shaped my thought, he's probably in, in the top five. Um, but on this point, right, I think there's a problem. <laughs> um, and, uh, and this is a, gets to a pretty deep problem about free will but and, and what you mean by it. I, I've gotten to where I, I don't really like using the term. I prefer, if I'm being technical, to say voluntary or voluntariness. Um, but the um, the problem here is is, uh, and can, I can illustrate this quickly by by just asking the question: uh, Will we be capable of sin in heaven? Yeah. No. Is there, well, <laughs> no. Right. I, I don't think so. I mean, I hope not. Yeah. Uh, one of the uh, one of the traditional things that Christians have thought. I don't know whether this is a dogma or anything like that, but one of the traditional things that many Christian theologians have thought, including St. Thomas, is that in heaven we'll be incapable of sin. Um, We will see God as he is, and uh, we will be um, uh, absolutely in love with him, right? And such that we will not, we we, we cannot sin because we will not want to sin, right? We want only God. Um, And so... uh, but then, then you get, well, does that mean that we're not free? <laughs> right? Right. right. Are we not really loving him because we can't help but love him? Uh, and I want to say no. Um, I, th- I think it's genuine love. Uh, again, I prefer to use the term voluntary. Um, but uh, I think that's one way of illustrating it, right? That we, I think we need to say something a little deeper than that. Yeah. Um, does that make sense? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And that, I mean, that's an interesting uh, um uh, way to put it that that gets right to the heart of the point that you know that in heaven you know there mm-hmm. is no you know it's everything is perfected right, um, right but at the same time there is no evil there is no sin mm-hmm. so can it, can it, it's a, i mean at least in thomas's position i think this is correct not even the possibility right uh you can sort of uh um intensify this by by pointing out you know could god sin right yeah. they no. Yeah. <laughs> that was um, fairly easy. I got this one. No. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But is God therefore not capable of loving? Yeah. Right. So if you if the if the way you think of freedom or voluntariness is just the possibility of doing otherwise, then you have to say the saints in heaven are not free. God is not free, and our Lord, when He was on earth, and His humanity wasn't free because traditionally we said that Jesus Christ, even in His uh, human person, I'm mean, sorry, this human nature, not his human person, his human nature, his human will was impeccable, right? Not only did he happen not to sin, but he was incapable of sinning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so does Jesus not love? Because it wasn't possible for him to, to, to not sin. So I think if you really start thinking through these examples, you're like, oh, wait, actually, I got to revise here. Now, there's a, a philosopher who uh, usually I, I oppose, but I actually think is 
is kind of on point here is a, a philosopher named J.L. Mackey. And he was a kind of a atheist philosopher, kind of anticipated some of the new atheist uh, philosophers, um, kind of a generation or two earlier. Um, he wrote about a, a variety of things, but he did, he did sort of contest uh, the rationality of theistic belief. And um, he makes the argument, he puts it this way, couldn't God have created us such that um, we only wanted to do what was good, right? So that uh, we would always freely choose, right? We, we, we would choose only between good things, right? Um, because all we ever wanted were good things. So, um, and I, I kind of think that sounds about right. Like, I think that's kind of how the saints are in heaven. That is that they only want God and, and choose things that are godly. Uh, in the new kingdom or the new, new heavens and new earth um, um, and do so in a voluntary way. Right. Um, th- does that make sense? Yeah. And I think it's, you know, uh, uh, you know, I think especially particularly when you look at, uh, you know, heaven and, you know, it's a lot of times when we think about heaven, we think about our current state of existence and mm. kind of this place of perfection. Um, Whereas we, we don't, you know, I don't think we always take into account the perfections that, that will exist because of God's grace, you know, like that we will, uh, 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 you know, when, when you see, and, and I mean, it's very similar to, you know, when you see uh, uh, an easy choice towards something right. that is good here on earth, mm-hmm. you would say like, oh, well, of, of course I'm going to do this simple thing. I mean, I don't know, just, you know. Um, uh, a crying baby or something like that, you know, you wouldn't really say, well, you know, I, you know, well, you know, what's my real choice here? You know, with these easy moral choices, it's easy to say, well, it wasn't really a choice at all because I perceived what was genuinely correct, what was right. And I easily perceived that. So, I mean, I think that's a good way to think about heaven is that uh, um, everything in heaven will be easily perceived. So, uh, uh, so chosen. Um, mm-hmm. now there's some problems with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you, you don't want to just say it's just a matter of perception, right? I mean, I think it's a matter of new hearts. Um, right. You know, um, um, and, you know, which I think brings us back to Mackey's point. Well, God, couldn't God just have made us this way in the first place? If it's possible for us to be that way in heaven, then why can't we be that way on? Why couldn't we be that way on Earth? And this opens up a large, a large problem, I think, once you start to take this seriously. Yeah. Um, and maybe even really pushes you to revise some things you might think about in, in in a variety of matters. Probably somebody who gets closer, I think, to something that's that's helpful is um, or the 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 a theory is what's called the soul making defense. Okay. Uh, and that's the view that. Now, I think this moves in the right direction. I don't think it's enough. But the view, uh, the view here is that, that God didn't make the world in order for it to be a nice place for us, um, you know, um, uh, as a, taken as a whole. Now, you could say, well, what about the garden? Yeah, yeah, okay, so maybe it was originally that way, but in the big picture of divine providence, um, there, there was going to be more uh, to it. There's going to be suffering. That suffering is part of God's plan, in other words. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the reason is that that God, that God makes this made this world in order to make us um, sort of fit 
and disposed and prepared for union with him, um, which in some cases requires suffering. So one way you might think about this is uh, sort of like the extreme training, right, that athletes undergo or soldiers undergo, uh, in which there's a great deal of uh, suffering and pain, um, but it's so that they become something else, right? right? So they go from being just a normal schmo to being a United States Marine, right? You become a new kind of, you know, person right then um, through undergoing that suffering. What do you think about that? Uh, no, I, I like that. And I think that, you know, um, uh, just had a, a recent, uh, uh, actually last night, going, uh, going, taking my daughter through this process uh, <laughs> of, of, you know, um, uh, she did something wrong. And, um, and so I was explaining to her her punishment and everything. And right. from my, you know, from my point of view, um, I know that this little punishment is sure. is going to help uh, create those good habits and you know extinguish the vices um and so it's good for her in that way so that when she's older um uh she is she is somebody else who is who is virtuous who is all these things um so i i i put her through some little suffering um so that she can become uh somebody better somebody that's you know uh, uh good um now, to from her perspective, however, it's the freaking end of the world. I mean, you know, <laughs> right. you know uh, a weekend without you know a TV show, you know, sure. a week without you know treats and stuff like that. You know, so I mean, like right. it, it's 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 soul crushing to my daughter. This suffering, it's painful. Uh, sure. She's constantly reminded about it everywhere she goes. So I mean, uh -huh. but, but at the same time, you know, uh, um, you know, from from my point of view as you know a parent. I see that it, it's it's not really uh, uh, that mm -hmm. that great of a suffering when you look at the the more of the eternal perspective uh, from a parent's point of view, not 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 a godly point of view. I don't no. like to put, I don't like to put myself in God's position, but uh, uh, <laughs> from a, from yeah. a parental. So point I think of view. that this is. <laughs> right. I think this is kind of like in the right direction. Um, but of course, you know, when you're confronted with somebody, you know, who's, who's, because basically what you're saying is this is discipline and formation, right? Um, and uh, when you're confronted with though something more serious, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, no, the I would... of, yeah, the death of a child, the death of a wife, the end of a, uh, the ending of a marriage, um, you know, these sorts of things, grave scandals in the church. Um, the when you're confronted with this sort of thing like you know the, the discipline the discipline and formation uh argument is not um yeah no, uh, yeah, yeah yeah let me let me be clear i am not making that across the board <laughs> of course of course yeah but i mean this is so, i mean uh um this the, the veil of soul making is what this is called and i think it's i think it's in the right direction um but it still seems like wow, like it's it's there's a lot of suffering to get to this point. Now we could point to the suffering of Christ on the cross, and some people want to bring that in. But then you still have the question like why, 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 you know, like, why at all? Yeah, you know, like uh, why, why, why does Jesus need to die on the cross? Some people, uh, one of the things that drives me up the wall, is sometimes theologians will just say, well, because of love. And I think well, that's weird. Like, you know, like, <laughs> 
I never expect someone to crucify themselves for me because they love me. Like, yeah. what, are you, what are you doing, right? Um, so um, there has to be more to it, right? There needs to be a fuller, you know, sort of uh, deeper explanation. Now, something I think that, that gets, again, closer. So I think all of these defenses, except for the free will defense, to be honest, kind of get us in the, the right direction or contribute to an overall view. Um, but, um, but, you know, they're, they're, none of them on their own is quite enough. I think getting closer would be something like uh, the defense that's been developed by William Lane Craig, uh, which uh, pushes in the direction of uh, the idea that or brings up the, the, the point that, you know, we generally, generally think that um, uh, evil may be permitted or the possibility of evil may be permitted uh, if there are proportionate goods, right? Um, and so <clears throat> we can assume, given God's um, benevolence, God's omniscience and omnipotence, that the evil he permits, he permits for a sufficient reason. Uh, that is that, um, uh, that there's some proportionate good um, that is um, achieved through the permission of the evil. Uh, and, I, and I think that that's okay. okay. What, do you, what do you think about that, Jason? Um, to me as a Christian, it makes sense. Um, but it's, uh, I think, completely unsatisfactory when you don't, under when you're when you are the one going through the evil and you have no idea what the good is um it's and i think that's where a lot of people say you know and they even call that you know senseless suffering um sure and we should we should do away with it so i i you know i think that's you know you know in my head you know that's a that's a good that's a good beginning um to an argument but but at the same time when you're when you're the one going through it uh, it's very difficult to see because you cannot uh, you cannot see the good uh, that it's that it's uh, uh, that it's trying to bring about or the good that will sure. result from so it. So this is yeah, this is something actually I kind of like about the argument, right? <laughs> is that it starts to push at right the idea that God knows some things that we don't, hmm. um, and I think this is actually where you start, like where I think. I, and I'll be perfectly honest, I don't have a fully developed answer to this question right now. Um, but um, uh, it's something I've, I've been thinking about for a long time. I've got some answers. But the um, one of the things I think you need to do is just challenge the assumptions of the problem. Um, and one of the things I, I think we need to, to recognize is whether Craig's defense as a whole is, is adequate, I think we, it does bring up the point of the limitations of our knowledge. Yeah, which I think in some ways turns the problem around and says, oh, wait a second, are we in the position to deploy this argument against God, right? Sort of to put God in the dock, so to speak, um, to put him on trial um, about evil. We, we simply lack a sufficient, uh, one, one thing to say is that we lack a sufficient knowledge base in order to adjudicate the matter. Yeah. Um, we don't know what God knows, right? We don't know uh, all of the relationships, all of the consequences, all of the uh, connections between the various events that occur in history. Uh, we don't know where God is taking them. Uh, I mean, we do as, as Christians, of course, we have some general picture. Um, right. But at the same time, we don't know the details of that. Uh, and, 
you know, Jesus even told us <laughs> that, uh, that there's a lot that we're not going to know. Um, so I think um, uh, one of the things to say is we need to sort of ask ourselves whether or not we're in the position to question God about this. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about that? Uh, well, I think that's uh, um, for the Christian I mean that fall that that definitely falls in line with uh, the virtuous life, humility, mm-hmm. um, uh, particularly you know understanding that you know you do not have God's understanding of things, and that mm-hmm. they're you know but and and it's also you know I think again for the Christian, it's it's a call to have more faith uh, in right. God to right. say that 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 you know like I'm going I'm I'm going through something that is particularly hard without any understanding of you know the outcome you know when you're when you you uh uh you know even when you go through something like you know praying the rosary you know a lot of times you'll pray the rosary for a particular need so you see kind of an end to that prayer um but when you're you know uh um kind of going through something that's particularly hard like that uh, uh, and you have no idea it's an opportunity of i i think for the christian again it's an opportunity to either trust God more, have faith in God more, or, or, or to, to, you know, fall into somewhat of a, a, a potential despair, I'll say that, or the beginning stages of despair. So, I mean, I think that, 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 that makes sense, you know, for the Christian. Um, but I think, but I think also the thing I like about that is that um, it recognizes some fundamental things about reality mm-hmm. that uh, 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 God God's ultimate providence is something that is not known fully to man. Right. Um, and that, that, that even, you know, the things that are in God's providence uh, uh, seem to us as contrary, it points more to a deficient uh, problem in our own mind, our own understanding, uh, maybe even our own spiritual life. Sure. Uh, uh, as opposed to, uh, that evil is a problem for God, which right. is kind of the way that the argument is sometimes put towards. Yeah. So I think one of the things, yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things you, uh, at some point you have to bite the bullet on, I think is that um, um, evil is part of God's providence. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's a tough, that's a tough thing to, to accept in a way. But it is, right? I mean, like uh, many spiritual writers attest to this. Uh, St. Thomas attests to it as well. There's um, that, 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 that in the providence and what God is doing things for, right, includes some evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, if for us, to, for us to, to judge that God is wrong to include evil in his providence um, is... Uh, presupposes right that we know what god knows um that we're in a position to adjudicate the matter but in fact we're not right we're, we're, we are simply creatures with limited intelligence limited uh sort of knowledge um and so we're, we're not really in a position to make the judgment uh yeah. at all um now that that <laughs> Um, that's that's a tough thing to say, I think, yeah. especially as someone who's undergoing um, a great deal of suffering. And that maybe isn't what you want to say from a sort of pastoral, um, practical sort of perspective. 
yeah, this is more about the intellectual argument. But I've seen people in extreme suffering, I'm sure you have too, who um, experience it as a sanctifying moment, mm-hmm. right? In, in which they embrace the suffering, they accept the suffering, and accept it almost from God, right? That is, they, they accept it as, um, I, I will accept this God and love you still. Um, that is a sanctifying kind of uh, process and position to be in. It glorifies God, right? Because it attests to the idea that, God, you're so good that I will love you still, you know, yeah. even should you kill me, right? Which is from, if I remember from Job, um, that that um, that kind of loyal adherence to God, that kind of devotion, attachment to God, um, glorifies His goodness. It shows uh, His uh, His goodness and makes us the kind of people who are more um, um, apt, more fit to union and communion with Him. Yeah, and I think that you know, um, again, my. Uh... I think that goes very well with the Christian, but I think also while you can intellectually struggle with kind of this, this answer to it, I think, you know, to some degree it can also be a bit freeing for the person Uh, because, you know, like you don't have to make sense of this thing intellectually. Now, now I know you want, now I, I will draw, you know, the line that you do want to understand. You want to understand it to some degree, but at the same time, I think, you know, uh, uh, many times, uh, the, the sometimes the struggle to to make absolute and complete and pure, uh, without you know any or with uh, with absolute clarity, the problem of this, yeah. this suffering that I'm going through, yeah. that that actually causes more suffering than the sure. actual problem does. Yeah, and, and, and maybe it's the case that God doesn't want us to put a bow on it, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe God wants it to be the case that uh, for His own wise and good purposes. Um, that God uh, withholds the answer from us, yeah. right? And that that uh, I mean, this is you know, this is open to dispute, right? But this is what I, I tend to think about is that that um, what God wants is us to trust Him. Yeah, <laughs> right? He doesn't want us to to know why He permits uh, all this evil and suffering. He gives us, I think, some some insights here or there uh, enough. Right. Yeah. Anyways, um, but ultimately, what he wants to do is he wants us to trust him and depend upon him. Um, one of the things that happens often in suffering um, is that we come to become less attached to the things that are taken from us, uh, and we become and and we're oftentimes I think it's kind of a winnowing process, right? In the in the sense that we end up really just with God, right? <laughs> And, and then you sort of say, oh, just with God, isn't God enough? Yeah. Right? I mean, that, that, that's tough. But I think maybe, you know, like when, when, when things are taken from us in our lives, um, that maybe, you know, that, that's a way in which providence is winnowing us from other things and bringing us to a greater degree of attachment to God. Yeah, and I think you, we can you can look at, back at your own experience and just see there there are those times when you know uh, uh, you might be like um, uh, kind of uh, obsessed with one thing or another. Like when I was a mechanic, you know, I was looking, sure. you know, uh, uh, 
always obsessed with uh, Mustangs. I was a Ford mechanic. And so, you know, I'd okay. be looking at these things, you know, but I remember, you know, uh, you know, and spending, you know, uh, uh, just hours thinking about, okay, what kind of modifications do I want to make to my car? What kind of things do I want to do? You know, like spending a lot of time doing this, you know, and then I remember, you know, one day getting a call uh, that one of my best friends from high school died. Uh, right. And I didn't look at a freaking Mustang part car sure. and never entered my mind uh, for, you know, over mm. a month, you know, right. everything mm. just, you know, and again, like you said, those, those moments of suffering and those, those moments like that, you know, they, they, what they, what they do is to some degree, they, they can give you an insight into actually how God's, how God sees things mm. to some degree. And what I mean by that is like from a, um, a perspective of what is it that actually matters? Right. You, know, you yeah. think about how, you know, a, a, a matriarch or a patriarch is dying. You think about how that can really be a time to bring family together that's been distant for a while. You know, sure. that's a really good thing that would have never happened had it not been mm -hmm. for, you know, uh, the, the dying parent or something like right. that. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so it's one of those things where, you know, there, 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 there is this, you know, it, I think it's very, or I'll say this, I think it's very difficult to, to understand suffering uh, and to understand it in this way uh, if, you're, if you're not a Christian. Mm. Is that too judgmental? Is that? No, I mean, I, sir, I, I would say that I think that there are, I mean, I think cumulatively speaking, the kinds of arguments that I've, uh, defenses that I've been talking about yeah. are sufficient to at least kind of give an intellectual answer to the hard, God can't exist because there's evil, right? Yeah, yeah, so I yeah. think they're sufficient to that task. Where they fall uh, woefully short is is explanation. Sure. Um, so it's one thing to mount a sort of forensic defense, you know. Yeah. Um, it's another thing to explain the, to give some of the why. Um, but I think what we're talking about now, which is the kind of a, a, a deeper sort of Christian view of the matter um, that benefits from Revelation. I think that yeah, that, that you need you need Christian revelation to get something like the, an explanation. Um, uh, even that explanation, I think, still leaves it pushes us. I mean, it seems to me in the direction of uh, of saying you know um, maybe God wants us to not know right, and and that that's that involvement. That's because what He wants is uh, detachment from the world. Yeah, what He wants is uh, trust in Him dependence on him, those sorts of things. Right. Um, and I think it, 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 you know, it's so easy for us to fall into day-to-day -day trivia. Um, it's uh, to live our lives distracted uh, in trivial pursuits, uh, selfish, self-centered, all those sorts of things. And, and like God isn't God. I mean, this is hard to say, but like we don't take God seriously enough. I think in the sense that like, God's not about making, giving you a nice middle-class life. Yeah. That, that's not what he's interested in. Right. Yeah. Um, in fact, you know, the more successful you are in this world, you, the more you need to be worried. Um, uh, what God is about is eternal life. Right. And so, um, um, uh, he's about eternal life for us with him. Uh, yeah. and as we are, we're not fit <laughs> to, to, to have that. And, and so I, you know, in some ways, suffering and pain is like a hammer like god's hammering on us wake up right yeah. um 
you know, uh, God's serious about this, right? Um, you know, eternal damnation is serious. That's hell, right? Yeah. Eternal life is serious, right? Um, and, and, and so all of this, right, this veil, right, that we live in, an old Catholic way of talking about is a veil of tears, is, is, is meant to be a serious preparation, an arena of, of trial and combat. Like that, that's actually what the Bible tells us about this life, right? Is that we're at war and we should expect it to be the, uh, tough. Yeah. I remember reading, uh, I remember coming across this uh, kind of this idea for the first time. I think it was, I think it was a book on spirituality by um, uh, Father Thomas Dubay. And he was talking about not being attached to things. But it was the first place that I had read uh, where, he, where somebody talked about being detached from your health. Yeah, yeah, um, right. and, or, you know, or even from, you know, your, your relative's health. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and that really, to me, that immediately, you know, just brought up the idea of evil suffering of, you know, sure. all these things like, like, okay, I could be detached from money. I could, you know, live a simple life. I could, you know, be detached from these things, give them. But, but when I was thinking about, you know, like my health, I'm like, mm-hmm. well, good night. That's hard. Right. I mean, right. Be yeah. Sure. Something like that. So, I mean, I think it does bring up, you know, uh, kind of, uh, that aspect, I mean, and, and again, you know, a lot of this can co- can go back to the, the, the story of Job. You yeah, know, sure. Uh, about uh, uh, the, the problem of evil, but the calling of uh, uh, each Christian or each person to, to, be, uh, to live a more faithful life, to live a more uh, life focused on God and not these blasted mm-hmm. things. Sure, yeah. Yeah, focused on God and, and open to the fact that we're not God. Yeah. Um, and that we have to trust, uh, you know, that God's good purposes. Um, and in a way that puts ourselves in the position, right. Of being like a child mm-hmm. uh, that puts us in the position of being a dependent, um, on, on God. And that's, you know, I mean, I think everything in the Bible indicates that that's what God wants, right. That's the attitude, um, that God wants, um, uh, from us, even even sort of our moral failings, right, sure. um, can be opportunities for pleasing God insofar as they contribute to having a broken and contrite heart, right? And a broken and contrite heart, the Psalms tell us, God, that pleases God, right? Yeah. God is pleased by our contrition. Um, God's pleased when we accept our our fallenness, our dependence on him. He hates pride, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't like pride, Right. And so all of these things, I mean, these aren't things that are nice, right? Um, but I think they're part of a biblical picture of, um, of think, thinking, about, thinking about suffering within the framework of sort of uh, a biblical worldview, a Christian worldview, right? Um, that includes that God has purposes that, that we, don't, we don't know. And, you know, ultimately, I think, you know, you, you come to the position where you accept the sovereignty of God, right? I think, you know, this is what happens in Job, right? One of the things that's interesting about Job, right, is that there is, like, there isn't an answer, right? Like, yeah. I, I, I think that, like, maybe that needs to be required reading, like, once a year, because the, the, the answer there is that God's not going to give it to you, right? And his, his fi- like, God doesn't sort of finally say, oh, okay, Job, here's the answer, right? Yeah. He doesn't, you know, kind of hug it up with Job and say, oh, you know, um, you know, here's an easy way to think about this. Actually, this is going to lead to your best life now or any of that kind of stuff. Right. Um, uh, his ultimate answer to Job, right, is to say, you know, um, 
you know, where were you when I laid the foundations of the world, right? Yeah. Saying, you know, uh, God speaks to him from the whirlwind and, and he's saying like, you're not God. You're just not in the position to make this judgment. You, what you need to do is accept to, and to uh, maintain your loyalty to God uh, in spite of the suffering. And Job, of course, you know, beautifully uh, has those two statements, right? One, you know, uh, even if you should kill me, I'll love you still. And second, that, um, and you know, I will shut my mouth. <laughs> that's his ultimate sort of response is, I will shut my mouth. Man, that's hard to hear, right? You're in suffering. And at some point, what God wants is for you to just bow the head and shut your mouth and trust in him. Yeah, and I think the, 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 other, uh, the other thing about the story of Job is that, uh, um, I mean, he loses everything. Right. But in the end, he's satisfied. And, but, but what's interesting is that he's not satisfied by God saying, all right, Job, I took all these things from you. Here, here are all of them back. Because, mm-hmm. it, no, he, he, what does he do? Uh, um, Job says, you know, my, my ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And so it's, mm-hmm. that, it's that sight of God uh, mm-hmm. that in the end will ultimately fulfill us. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, even, you know, even Christ, you know, uh, uh, blessed are you, you know, who, who, who believe but do not see that this, uh, um, that, it, that it is in this, in this, uh, the way that we see here on earth is through our belief, uh, uh, but it is that hope that we will see these things clearly in heaven. Um, but in the end, you know, like in Job, even though he suffers all these things, in the end, uh, it is through his faith uh, and his uh, active uh, um, working out of his faith in his life uh, that he's ultimately fulfilled. Um, but uh, 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 no, very good discussion. And I, and I do, you know, um, I really like uh, the point, you know, it is a humbling that we need, that we do need to approach this because a lot of times it's not this question of evil uh, from a humble perspective uh, of recognizing that it's probably a problem with us and not with God. So with that, we want to thank everybody for joining us. I want to thank Dr. Smith for providing some clarity on this problem of evil. To invite everybody to check us out at catholicstudiesacademy.com. You can check out, uh, we have much more content there. Check out our YouTube channel. We're constantly putting up new content there uh, by our lecturers. Uh, And so until next time, God bless.